0: Stevens demons, ghosts outside Screaming, you can run, but you can't hide You can't scare me, I'm already dead inside Slasher, September Watching Slasher in, Sushers in September. September Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Tex Chris Dave Saw Massacre We're here talking about horror movies um, and the one specifically that we're going to be covering today is the burning from 1981. Burn up, burn up, you <laughs> Having a lot of fun with this, uh, new soundboard situation, aren't you? Kirstie? Absolutely. And for most of these slashes that we've chosen, mm-hmm. it's very easy and obvious to come up with the song, yeah. but I have to get creative for yep. a future one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So far, these are just like simple one word kind paint of. by numbers, <laughs> obvious cues of what to, yeah. what to click in there. Yeah um so this is a slasher from the height of the slashers in the 80s yeah it's september we're still doing slashers specifically from 1980 1984 Mm -hmm. and this one seems to have a particular cult status people seem to really like this one it was suggested to us on twitter from at repoman 2112 uh carl eakins thanks for the suggestion Mm -hmm. the reason we're watching this movie is because our fans (laughs) told us to on twitter (laughs) it wasn't because we wouldn't go out of our way to choose the movie that launched harvey weinstein's career yeah should we get that out of the way yeah let's do that let's get that nasty business out of the way yeah we're not we're not proud of the scaredy cats Mm -hmm. um yeah so i guess this is the uh, this is a story co-written and created by harvey weinstein right Um, and I guess the production of this movie, putting it together would be the launch of Miramax and the eventual success of these assholes. Yeah. Yeah. This is that first, first thing that they did. That's it. Uh huh. And naturally they just observed successes of movies like friday the 13th Mm -hmm. and texas chainsaw maybe not friday the 13th because that was just one year before that was like kind of happening at the same time. yeah it was very much in that wave um but one consolation despite being the launch of harvey weinstein is that it was a 1.5 million dollar budget and it only made 700k yeah that's nice (laughs) so it made his career but it didn't line his pockets at least yeah that's the one very i'm sure like in like dvd or yeah vhs sales at the time dvd sales and stuff it caught up eventually absolutely caught up very true Uh, It also is another Tom Savini movie. Yes. That's why we're watching it from our perspective. Hell yeah. Savini September. Yeah, (laughs) Savini September. Watching (laughs) Savini in September. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This and then Maniac and then like three or four weeks ago, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. We're just plowing through his catalog and like loving it and getting like very similar awesome like takes of Tom Savini doing hilarious stuff. I don't know that he acts in this one though. I was just going to ask. Yeah. I I think he's just makeup. I'd love like a little quick cameo. Let's see if we can find him. Yeah, he we'll might keep an eye out. He, I think he might just, in some moments, he's like, it's just easier to do it on myself. Yeah, just, just get out of here. I'll be the ice cream truck driver in this one. Yeah, I made it up on myself at home in a mirror, so it's just easier. To oh, do it I that see. Way. Yeah, apply the makeup to himself. I come ready like, to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He had the headline around. He probably yeah. has other props lying around. Yeah. Um, also, reading through that about. Um, I think Tom Savini had a choice around this time. Like He turned down uh, part two on Friday the 13th, right? Yeah. Did you see the reasons that he did? Yeah, that's why I brought it up. <laughs> Savini turned down the chance to work on Friday the 13th part two, ostensibly because he could not understand the logic that Jason was fully ground and is now the killer. <laughs> <laughs> that cracked me up so hard. Like, what, do you, what do you mean Jason's the killer? Wait, the little kid? The motivation for the actual killer. Who, who died two decades ago and his mom's avenging (laughs) that guy comes back no that's a kid that's a little kid A brilliant point from Tom Savini. I love that. That yeah. was my... Yeah, that's exactly what I thought when we watched the second one. <laughs> or when we watched the first one, I guess, when I put, you know, context to it. Yeah, like, absolutely. How does this change then? It's absurd, but we have all just completely accepted it yeah. as reasonable. <laughs> yeah, whatever, right? So we don't know if Tom's going to make an appearance, but we do know that Holly Hunter is in this movie. Mm-hmm. This is a very early movie for her. And fucking Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander. they killing us, Jerry. <laughs> killing us one by one. <laughs> <laughs> Little wiener himself, um, and we've seen Jason Alexander before once on this podcast. What? Uh-huh. Oh, oh, oh! Yes, oh, yes, yes. yes. You got it. I think it's got something to do with something. <laughs> but what movie was that? Don't tell me Body Snatchers. No. Nope. But around that time, like you're at right, your 70s, right. 80s, in the era, you're right. Oh God! No, you're not actually. I'm not. No. So it's it's got to be like late 80s. Hold up, let me get there he's in, oh god 90s it's um da, 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 da. Jacob Slatter you got it oh my god <laughs> nice dude yeah and I mean so that was this is 15 years before even that so yeah. maybe we'll even get a Jason Alexander with a full head of hair which I can't even will we Whoa. recognize him I never even thought about that yeah well I assume he's like a camp counselor age in this movie like mid-20s is that right he was be. that age once, uh, yeah, somehow. <laughs> oh man, I never thought about Jason Alexander at any point before Seinfeld. Yeah, like well, why would you? You know, he came into the world this way. Sure, <laughs> yeah, out of a sewer in Manhattan, and just started complaining from there. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. It, it makes me think of like how Jonah Hill looks weird now. Yeah. You know <laughs> A little conversation we were having beforehand. <laughs> just super bad uh, Jonah Hill to Jonah Hill of today. today what's what's the newest movie where he looks weird well he's got maniac out on that's out sometime yeah, right. either now probably right now ish right the di- the different maniac yeah the different maniac <laughs> a, a netflix maniac how dare they but yeah they have yeah. yeah that's um on netflix and it's him and he's looking super skinny in it yeah yeah emma stone super bad reunion oh yeah full yeah. circle oh wait yeah yeah okay i remember yeah it's like emma stone and super bad right totally and they're the they're the love interests in Super Bad, mm-hmm. believe it or not, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> Michael Sarah was on Hot Ones recently, like that. Yeah, Hot one. did I, you watch it? I didn't. I didn't watch it. I just saw the, his face, his stupid face, his stupid face. It's great. He's great on it. But he He's talks good. at one point uh, about the DVD menu of super and how the director, Greg Mottola was like, had just this like insane passion for this idea that like, mm. okay, after you to stay late on set this one day, we're going to put you in front of a green screen and you're just going to dance for one hour because we can loop it and we can make the loop as long as one hour. And if we do that for the background of the DVD menu, then some kid is going to watch and be like, it hasn't repeated yet. And just <laughs> like have his eyes glued to the screen and have his mind blown that he's not doing any of the same dance moves for an entire hour straight. And Michael Sayers was like, yeah, I did that. I danced just for one hour straight in front of a green screen, like after a 12-hour day shooting one day. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you happen to have Superbad on DVD in this house anywhere? I don't have any DVDs in this house anymore. Ah, uh, we can. There's always a Superbad DVD if you look hard enough. I'm sure there's a YouTube clip of that. Oh, it's Superbad. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I don't want to go past that hilarious joke. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's all on YouTube as well, that menu. I feel, I feel like it's, it's a, a to watch an end. hour-long video. Yeah, we, we sure would. But you know some kid... Some kid, many kids Eyes have, looped. and it would be perfect. To I have. think many people have since that Hot Ones episode. They've got to, they've got to, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. DVD sales and Super Bad just, just skyrocketed <laughs> out of nowhere again. I mean, the ideal would be to make it a perfect loop, right? Is to have them at the end of the dance, just kind of end up in the same spot and that way you could just have that seamless yeah. loop because after an hour you've forgotten the original dance moves yeah like at the start have have that chair swirl back into the middle of the screen and he sits back down on it backwards like yes. how he started his dance i assume totally <laughs> that's that's so funny man I, yeah. I i think i have that on dvd i want to watch it go for it <laughs> report back <laughs> <laughs> all right uh i guess we should move on to a little segment we like to call Scare and tell. Scare and tell. So, two weeks ago, I watched Four Flies on Grey Velvet, and then last week, I did Black Belly of the Tarantula (laughs) because tarantulas eat or spiders eat flies. Yeah. So, what kills tarantulas, Chris? What kills? Let's just let's just say spiders in general. So this rule will apply a little more vaguely. (laughs) Okay. Lizards. Lizards eat spiders. Of course they do. Yeah. Unquestionable. Uh huh. That's what Uh, they say. I watched a lizard in woman's skin for Scarantel, which is a 1971 italian giallo that sounds fucking awesome from fulci awesome yes and this one was a winner it was great yeah yeah i really liked it oh dude from title alone <laughs> i was in <laughs> and i mean that title is great mm-hmm. It it just has to do with the fact that there are there is acid in this movie that there are characters that take acid and one of the witnesses of the murder all they remember seeing is a lizard in woman's skin because that's part of their trip yeah. Insane, oh, to the well. So there's a lot of crazy dream moments that happen. Mm-hmm. The whole, the whole thing is centered around this woman in an apartment who has these rowdy neighbors who always have these crazy giant orgy parties next door. <laughs> and she's just kind of like <laughs> ah, the seventies. Yeah. Seventies London. And she's just kind of like kind of a rich well to do is reading her newspapers with the other people that live in her house. She's just kind of like a more sophisticated. So this is kind of like mm-hmm. the seedy underbelly of London. That's right next door and it's infesting her subconscious and she's having dreams about getting involved with the person next door and their parties mm. and like she clearly wants to be a part of it tempted. but she's repressed yeah. yeah anyways one night she dreams that she kills the person who lives next door in this very specific way and mm. it turns out that she did end up getting murdered in that specific way as well so mm-hmm. then it's all about the chase of well who who actually murdered her what happened you know, you keep finding yeah. people that are somewhat involved or close to her red herrings. You're guessing up until the last minute. But there's a lot of like psychoanalysis sessions that happen where you de- okay. dive into her subconscious. There's a lot of us being inside of her dreams. So the visuals are amazing. Like yeah. all the sur- surrealist elements of this movie uh. are just my bread and butter. Like it's so yeah, awesome yeah, yeah. to watch. And it actually like I like this way more than the beyond. It's gotten me really Sweet. excited about Fulci yeah uh, uh, it, yeah it, it suggests a potential or a, like a tease like supernatural element with like the dream prediction kind of um, thing mm, I guess it would tease it but no it do, it's very it grounded in reality okay, but okay. you just visually have all of these crazy hallucinatory so elements uh, that you get to watch and cool. experience hallucinations you, play a big part in the yeah absolutely and surprisingly it's a horror movie with a very strong queer storyline which is as we know we don't get very much of those in horror that's great great. this is an example to hold up along with 71 yeah from 71 that's great yeah and especially from italy because i know italy is particularly intolerant especially today i'm not sure as much in the 70s and 80s but it seems like a powerful thing to exist as a culture artifact yeah absolutely In, in the catholic italy exactly yeah definitely Um, And this movie is most famous, actually, for this one scene in one of the kind of dreams that she's having. Hmm. Uh, She's walking into a room and there are these dogs that are kind of barely alive, but cut open. And you can kind of see their insides Mm -hmm. and you can see their hearts beating and shit like that. It's really graphic. But they took the filmmaker to court. And like he was prosecuted for you torture these animals. There's no way that that's makeup and they had to get a jury and the makeup artist had to come in and show how he did the effects in front of a jury in Italy. Oh my God. To get Fulci off the hook. Cause he was going to get arrested for animal torture. For cutting open dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. That's so cool. I want to see that so bad. Absolutely. But what great PR for you as a filmmaker. And so like, so you saw that, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And was it like that convincing? Um, the insides of the dog, yeah. When you go to the face of the dog, it's clearly like an animatronic mm. or a puppet. But if you were, if you weren't seeing that in restored 1080, right? And you're seeing it just on film, sure, sure. You yeah. know, in like a darker theater, then yeah, I think it would be totally convincing. It's oh, very, oh my god, the gore is really great in this movie. Yeah, I wanna, I wanna watch that. Yeah, it was, it was great. So that was a, that was a nice surprise, especially because uh, Black Tarantula was a little slow. So this was, this was, it got me reinvigorated for more Italian jealous. Oh man, but. The only thing that worries me about that, Chris, is I don't think there's anything that kills lizards. Uh, We'll we'll have to see. I guess we'll see what happens next week. (laughs) How about you, Dave? What did you watch for Scare and Tell? This week for Scare and Tell, I watched a movie called Hatchet. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Have you seen Hatchet? I saw the first one Uh um, when it came out. This is... Adam Green's movie? Yeah, you got it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, from 2006. Totally. Um, Backwoodsy? Back, back it's uh, Louisiana Swamp. Okay. Like New Orleans. Yeah. So, it was... I've been... I went to New Orleans somewhat recently, so mm-hmm. it was great to watch. Like, the movie starts, like, on Bourbon Street, like, and they're just Mardi Gras, typical teenagers showing boobs. Uh, like, for the first, like, 15 minutes, I was like, this is a huge mistake. This is a huge mistake that I put on Hatchet. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I mean, as time went on, and the movie continued to say, like, the dialogue was terrible, the characters were terrible, but it was really funny. Like, mm-hmm. the, the lines that they would say was were really quippy and funny, but the horror parts were really dumb. Um, so, I was washing dishes and cleaning up the house, so I couldn't, like, my hands are wet, I couldn't reach over to stop it, even <laughs> though it was really annoying me. And it started to win me over. I started to, like, find myself, like, laughing really hard, and then, like, as, like, the the horror music kicked in like it has that typical sort of 80s score like Mm -hmm. it it feels very much like an 80s slasher like super um made very very silly and hyper foolish right um whenever that 80s slasher synthy music came in i would kind of like turn down the water and like watch the screen and i started getting really into it and the killings in these in this movie um, and I imagine the series there's four of them now. Yeah. Uh, one as recently as 2017. Yeah. Victor Crowley, Victor Crowley. And that was a big surprise because people did not mm-hmm. think like there was no announcement of it. It was all kept yeah. under wraps and he just sprung it out, out yeah. of nowhere. And he, uh, he wasn't on the original writer director wasn't on the third movie. So ah, it, it was a like comeback. Exactly. So it was this surprise comeback. So one day I think I, I would like to see it totally Um, and Jonah Ray's in that one actually yeah that's so cool Yeah, Um, so I'm like the the series kind of reading about it watching this movie kind of winning me over Um, the kills are just fucking ridiculously hilarious Hmm. Um, they've got this running bit where um when he does a kill you'll see him like do the tear or the hack or the slash or whatever it is and then it'll cut to a wall or a tree and they just either throw a bucket of gore on the tree or whatever (laughs) or just like throw a handful of fake intestines and they splat against it it's ridiculously funny maybe so this came out right around the same time as this other movie shrooms and Uh also wrong turn so they all kind of blend together in my mind and i wonder if maybe i haven't even seen this one specifically but it Again, this is like 11, 12 years ago now. Uh, it's possible. The, uh, here's the, the story. So they're in the swamp. Basically, um, a bunch of there's a deformed killer in the swamp. Mm-hmm. And for the reason that people just keep going missing in the swamp, just keep getting killed, they, they make it illegal to go there. But this kid who's, like, from New York, who's trying to make a quick buck, offers a, an illegal swamp tour because mm. you can see ghosts. So, theoretically, what happened to this deformed mutant man in the swamp is he was born gross, and <laughs> then kids t- found his house and threw fireworks at it on Halloween night, and it started burning. And his father, who... Um, let me tell you who his, his father's played by. It's the guy who was in um, uh, Leslie Vernon... Mm-hmm. Um, who played Jason? Um, Kane Kane Hodder. Kane Hodder. He yeah, plays yeah. both the father of this mutant boy and then the, the killer, Victor Crowley himself. Right. So it's basically like Jason running around. That's awesome. There's a documentary that just came out about Kane Hodder, like his whole life and just because he's um, he's notorious for I've killed more people on screen than any other actor. <laughs> That's so cool. Because of all the times he's played Jason, because of Hatchet, because uh, of whatever else. Yeah. It's, it's because of Hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so Kane Hodder it Does an amazing job as the father And then eventually the um, the Killer throughout the rest of the movie mm-hmm. But in the flashbacks when the house is on fire The father goes to rescue his son by using a hatchet To hack the door of the burning house mm-hmm. But his son is right on the inside of the door Bang, trying to get out <laughs> So he hatchets him in the face Oh my god And that's, uh, so for the rest of the movie When he, he's, I guess he's a ghost Mutant real person like it doesn't make any sense what Mm -hmm. he is but he's got a big like hatchet wound in the middle of his deformed face well it sounds like he's human but just with the most unfortunate of circumstances well they call him a ghost like they're out on a ghost tour theoretically he comes back on Halloween to kill people theoretically he was killed by his father so it's like there is Mm. a kind of supernatural thing to it too and they call him a ghost right (laughs) even though he's a guy in a suit Um, so it's great it's hilarious the kills are just over the top Um, the quips are actually pretty fun like that's what that's what i remember hearing about this whole series is that it's just got such a unique sense of humor Mm -hmm. and that's its selling point that's why it stands out from other slashers and franchises i totally i it's so true it's not a sense of humor that's like this is a good comedy and they're gonna make a a comedy that's horror inspired Mm -hmm. it's like this is a complete 80s movie and it's it's definitely a parody but it's also just like that's their style you know so the comedy that that's woven into it is like it comes off as like bad dialogue a little bit at first but then you realize that the whole time is just they're looking for they're setting up and knocking out little quips and jokes and stuff and it's really funny um and i thought i would read um a list of of some of the deaths that occur in this movie wonderful let's hear it um and i'm not gonna say who they are or in what situation this happens but no spoilers yeah just descriptions what happens (laughs) so let's get it started uh cut in half with hatchet there's one (laughs) naturally um head torn in half head twisted off decapitated with shovel jaw torn off with belt sander impaled through back on shovel oh that sounds like a good one yeah um so you heard before that there was decapitated with shovel (laughs) right so imagine shovel on the neck on the ground and then the foot stomp on the shovel (laughs) and now there's a shovel sticking up and then the next person jaw torn off with belt sander impaled through back on shovel next head torn off dismembered head smashed into tombstone um so those are some of the fun deaths that happened just a sample of six or seven of the deaths (laughs) yeah and there's more right like right before that there was broken heart why can't uh i can't remember his name Uh, freddy krueger actor yeah robert england yeah he gets, he's the first person killed awesome man. <laughs> yeah wow isn't that cool yeah you have freddie and jason in the same movie dude <laughs> i didn't even think of that <laughs> so jason kills because how jason is it kane hodder kills freddie england jason kills jason Freddy. Kills Freddy <laughs> in that movie there it is that's wow man that's who wins Freddy vs. Jason? Freddy vs. Jason won. It was settled. Yeah, the original one happened in Hatchet Ooh. 2006. No, because Freddy vs. Jason is 2003. So this oh, is man, like a... this is their second battle. <laughs> but is it Kane Hodder and Freddy vs. Jason? Oh, dude. <laughs> we are like just excited kids about this shit. Like, <laughs> figuring this shit out. Uh, Finding out a new connection exists has been the best part of Slashers. Oh, September. my God. Oh, I mean, this whole podcast is just us slowly putting all the pieces together. Freddy vs. Jason is... No, it's a different Jason. It's not Kane okay. Hodder. Okay. But. So this is I the like real Freddy versus who, Jason. Who wins in Freddy versus Jason? Is it Freddy? Because that's. I've always thought it was Jason. Ugh, if it was Freddy, then that would be such a nice. He, fuck you for Adam Green to be like, I made the real Jason kill Freddy Yeah. In my movie. <laughs> that's, that is pretty great. That it's like it's one to one now. Yeah, exactly. Who wins in Freddy versus Jason? The overwhelming evidence is that Jason did, as Freddy's been reduced to a severed head, which can only wink suggestively at the camera. <sighs> <laughs> with Jason X, we now know that there's another Friday the Thirteenth film, but no more Nightmare on Elm Street sequels. The 2010 being a remake of the original. Okay, well, it does seem like Jason takes it? I guess so, but Jason can't be not even That's not even Kane hotter. So is that the? Yeah. I mean, it's, there's some controversy with that. They had some at some festival recently, was like a character scoreboard. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some festival recently, they had like all the Jasons on like a panel that's so cool (laughs) doing talks and apparently there's there was some tension like even in answering questions between some of them so I think some are a little possessive over like well I'm the real Jason Kane Hodder's the real Jason (laughs) that little boy from the first movie is the real Jason (laughs) hell yeah he was sitting there there too (laughs) just a skinny little wiener Oh, God, I love that idea so much. Everyone yeah. is just jacked. Yeah. And then, like, the the genuine Jason. Yeah. What do you think is the best way to kill someone? They're all, like, going, like, oh, you know, I'd, you know, cut their head off with a machete. And then the little wiener goes, their like, canoe. jump out of the water and grab them. <laughs> what do you think the biggest mistake that you made as Jason was? <laughs> jumped out of the water and grabbed <laughs> The more you've described it, the less I'm convinced that I've actually seen this one. I, I thought I had seen that shit. If if you saw it in two thousand six, the first day it came out, I can see you forgetting it. Mm. If you saw it any time after that, I don't know how you stick could. Stick with you, yeah. I feel like it would really stick with you. Nice. So, so you, are you going to check out the rest of the franchise? You think? I I really think I might. It's it was so enjoyable from really really hating it at the beginning. Like I don't feel like I've been won over as much as like as hatchet the first hatchet won me over this week that's great i loved it yeah i really did love it but it admittedly it is stupid Mm. it is (laughs) um it's like kind of gross and sexist in moments like your typical like scary movie style american pie like those movies Mm -hmm. that you're just kind of like ugh, and yeah yeah. And that's actually something I was thinking about this week. So, I mean, first of all, that's great that we had awesome finds in Slasher September. Mm-hmm. Cause it was a little discouraging. Just some of the things that we've had to s- sit through this month. <laughs> yeah. Um. I also think at the same like I have a lot of thoughts about Slasher September. Mm-hmm. I think like a little bit listening back on last week's episode, we are a little too harsh. And, like, we really are ripping it apart when you're supposed to just enjoy these dumb movies for being fun and dumb, you know? At the same time, I was also thinking about how it's strange that the slashers we grew up with in the late 90s, they retain kind of the inner logic of these 80s slashers, but they don't have the nudity. Like, that huge element of this golden age of, like, just boobs everywhere, as many boobs as possible, that doesn't happen in the late 90s survival. Like, I know what you did last summer, Scream, Urban Legends, they don't have nudity in them as far as I can remember. Yeah, I don't think there's any of that, which is that's an interesting thing that they revived the genre minus one of the most exploitive elements, which is a good thing. But and who is the target audience as the genre was revived in the 90s? Like was that teenagers? It must be teenagers. I think they were all like PG 13 movies, right? uh, Okay. And And was was that the case in the 80s? I don't know. Maybe it was it was a surprise to to filmmakers in the 80s that this was such a such an in demand thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, like, in the 80s, if all these movies originally were rated R. Like, could hmm. people under 18 go and see Sleepover Party or Slumber Party Massacre? Right. Like, were those available? But then uh, all the characters, are they try to make them teenagers and stuff. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they're just as dumb. I mean, like, I remember watching movies like I Know You Did Last Summer and thinking that these were, you know people with brains and these characters <laughs> and that had personalities and now re-watching them like i watched i know you did last summer and i still know the show Chrissy for the first time last month one time mm-hmm. and they're just idiot. like it's just yeah. terrible characters terrible actors it's just it's just awful <laughs> yeah but yeah i was just thinking about those That's, interesting differences between these waves of slasher that is very interesting and i mean you'd hope it's for like something like respect but you know Is that the case? No, because then we get to something like hatchet, which reverts back to that formula in the mid two thousands. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's tons of nudity and it's obnoxious, but then the, like it's two main girls who are like, there's this smutty director guy who's getting this, who's making this video of them, Mm -hmm. um, like this Mardi Gras video. So he keeps getting them to like flash the camera and dance together in all the different like scenes and places throughout the movie. It's the golden age of girls gone wild, right? 2005, 2006. Yeah. Um, But what was kind of uh, by the end of it, like what I was more thinking is that those two characters, um, they had a real rapport between each other. They hated each other. And they, like, one was the smart one, one was kind of dumber, but they didn't like each other and didn't want to work together. Mm. So it wasn't just these two girls who were there for no reason. They were more broad than that. Yeah. They were basically going to be hatchet victims, but they, it was like an ensemble cast in that everybody had everyone was speaking there was no one who was just there and got killed everyone was making jokes or had some sort of personality or was contrary to the tour guide or something like that yeah um yeah it was that's great that's like how hard is that you know if you're if you're yeah. going to make the movie you may as well add a little density to the plot and narrative and the characters yes and and it shows like it hatchet is a bad movie <laughs> it is a bad movie but there are things about it that are more fun more respectful they tried harder have more density and more thought put into than right. some of these slashers that we're watching this month yeah well what i'm getting from what, how you're describing it is that the badness is kind of intentional that it's trying yeah. it's like so bad it's, it's trying to make camp or yeah, yeah, yeah. It, totally and it's it's great man i just can't describe it as anything other than great awesome well hopefully oh actually we can't get to the movie yet Uh, No (laughs) uh, This Dave and Christy This This Dave and Christy We kind of talked about it a lot last week but Scream, Scream two. <laughs> you know it. You talked about your favorite scene in that, yeah, this is singing c- on the table. Kind of done already. Just Fury like when we home. watch the Scream movies, we just kind of blast it all out in one go. Yeah, we'll watch the sequel next week. It's nearly impossible to watch the first Scream without yeah. just watching the rest of that series. Yeah, at least Scream two. Scream one and two are so connected. Absolutely, they weren't huge movies for me when I was young, like I said like a million times. But like getting back into them, they're such great slashers mm-hmm. and horror movies, mm-hmm. and so self referential and. It's great. It's just a great genre movie to watch. Absolutely. Um, but they're so together, you know? Like, s- the pacing is so similar. It, it, it's just such a great part one and part two. Exactly, dude. I yeah. love them together. And I always think of them together. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I guess, because we watch them back to back. But No, I do absolutely the same thing. Um, for me, the scene that always comes to mind mm-hmm. is again, probably the opening like that amazing yeah. in the theater shot, which oh, yeah. now reminds me of demons now reminds yeah. me of Messiah of evil, that amazing theater scene where she's kind of alone and the ghouls just yep, kind of keep yep, trickling yep. in. So I see that now more as something meta that it's like he's yeah. probably com- like um, drawing from these other. You know, classic genre films because that's what the Scream series does. Yeah, dry. that's so good. It's, mm-hmm. Now that we've seen them, it's it's even it feels even denser. Mm-hmm. Just love that. Yeah, Demons for me, just purely demons that Absolutely. kill right on the stage by the way we didn't make it to that triple feature of scaredy cats but it's happening again this friday we've got another shot they're doing it again they're doing it again and this time in reverse which actually makes me want to go out more because i've, been, yeah, I've never we, seen autopsy just see Autopsy, one, and-, and then demons afterwards uh-huh. so sit through one movie and then get pumped to watch demons right after Is planet of the vampires long it's, it's slow. It feels fucking long. Mm. It's a slow movie, and that's very ambitious to start screening that at midnight after you've watched two movies. You're, uh. I'd, I'd fall asleep like an hour. Yeah, so yeah. I might just go for the first two. Um, cool. We'll, we'll see. Right. We have we'll attempt, attempt 2, Scary Cats. This is... Toronto's having an explosion of these small one-screen theaters mm-hmm. showing genre films. This Friday, we have that triple feature. The Royal is playing Fantastic Planet, that 1974 animated sci-fi movie that looks incredible. That's cool. And the review is doing Barbarella. So, I mean, like if you're a fan of genre films you now have to like choose yeah between multiple choices of what you want to go do with your friday night it's amazing yeah it's not just like once a month you can do something vaguely horror inspired exactly <laughs> it feels like just over the last two three years that transition yeah. has happened i mean this podcast is part of that like just mm-hmm. this re-explosion of yeah. appreciation for those films ah oh, it's so exciting absolutely i guess that brings us to 1981's the Burning*. I guess it's about that time uh-huh. that we clink our glasses together and watch a movie while there's a b- beautiful chainsaw noise. Let's do it, Jerry. <laughs> well, I feel I feel burned. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? It brought to mind one of the earliest memories I ever had as a kid. That is the best you can hope for from a horror movie. Absolutely. By the way, <laughs> go on. It was, and this nightmare was of the tales from the crypt, dude. Mm-hmm. You know the crypt keeper. Yeah, yeah. And he was coming closer to me with, uh, with those garden shears. Shears. Yeah, yeah. He was coming up, and he's like, he I forget the he said some line or whatever, but he was just like snipping closer and closer to me. And then I woke up just terrified. I don't even know where oh, I God. saw an image of him. I guess on like a preview on TV or something like that. But that's my earliest memory of a nightmare from like. Well, five, six, seven. So, the Tales of the Crypt guy, though, was just a zombie, right? In a suit? In a tuxedo? Yeah. He's just like a classy-looking dead dude. And, like, come out of a coffin and stuff, I think. Worms in the eye or something. Yeah. And he was really great. I mean, this is kind of before our time. In fact, I think that animated series was more something we had access to when we were kids. That's kind of what I thought you meant. (laughs) No, no. The cartoon. I mean, like, the actual 90s miniseries. Oh, God. Like, I mean, that's a whole world to explore. And I know we probably have some listeners who are well-versed in... Mm -hmm. that original tales of the crypt series but you'd have all the big horror directors come on and just do an episode yeah just be small little horror you know Mm -hmm. like a kind of like a black mirror (laughs) yeah exactly like mini movies yeah yeah, yeah. masters of horror did it in like 2005 Hmm. yeah so that was the burning that was the burning and it gave chris nightmares (laughs) (laughs) and honestly it might be the Best camp slasher I've seen. Not saying that it's an amazing movie, but yeah. I think it was more exciting than yeah, I think Friday, it, the Friday the Thirteenth we've seen. Yeah, I I said as we were in that final sequence, uh, just looking at the shots, the him walking by like slats with light coming through and mm-hmm. this dusty underground setting they were in. I was like the shots. Just most of the shots in this movie are eons better than Friday the Thirteenth. Absolutely, it was gorgeous compared to that. And even narratively, I mean, mm-hmm. it was such an exciting prologue buildup, like this pre-story to have, like that was such a rich narrative to kind of kick off the whole thing. Yeah, the campers itself, the characters, the fact that we just. You said at one point too, like, "Oh, well, good, we're actually at camp, like there's kids, yeah. and we're canoeing like it <laughs> they're really, camping, they're having fun, yeah, it wasn't just kind of these empty characters with cliche dialogue, like it felt, and I mean maybe up to another movie or like a standard good movie, it still has a long way to go, sure, but it felt like these were more fleshed out characters that they were is a real situation that they're in. Yeah. I was invested in this story much more than the usual slasher. Yeah. And the, the prologue, the beginning like sequence that we got wasn't just like the origin story of the killer. It was also going to become a reveal that the main counselor who I fell in love with, he's Um, amazing yeah i i'm smitten you did your eyes were (laughs) sparkling you are in love with this dude i said i don't want him to die (laughs) more than i have said that about any character in any movie that we've watched on this podcast it seems a little sloppy on burning man's part which is what we're calling the killer yeah burning man burning man (laughs) that is what we call them the whole time because i mean he's he's a very much a precision killer Mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes slashing or stabbing people a couple times yeah but with that guy our denim our full denim hero what was his name full denim hero full denim hero he just kind of like slashed him and i even commented it when it happened because it didn't look like a deep wound or anything yeah. and then he moved on like why not why didn't he confirm that kill when he confirmed so many others i wonder if uh yeah i wonder if that was a bit of sloppiness because then alfred takes off right so he's mm, maybe he's, he's focused on target. i've got this other one i've got to deal with while yeah. this one's down and maybe we can chalk it up to a mistake but yeah, that was <laughs> mm-hmm. just that little sort of nick on the, which I compared to like bumping your head on the, an open cupboard door. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and it goes out immediately. Yeah. Out like a light for yeah. a few minutes at least. Yeah. And then he just wakes up and like, what? And yeah, it was <laughs> underwhelming, but obviously for a purpose, cause he has to come back He's and beat the back. bad guy. Yeah. But it was underwhelming at that point because the kills and gore we saw before were just fantastic. Oh yeah. They make you wait. They do. Admittedly. But it in that time, cause like wh- where do we get our first kill? Like an hour? <laughs> Around an hour. There's one earlier one, right after they go skinny dipping. Okay, so it was like forty-five to fifty minutes. Yes, yeah. Yeah, But then and then another like fifteen minutes, and then it starts kicking into overdrive. But it's i think it's a payoff like it totally hundred percent we spend that time getting invested in the characters in those situations and in the camp itself like they do a pretty good job at like i said it's good to see them camping but it's good to see a camp that isn't like here are nine counselors who are here and that's what this place is there's a harpoon gun there's this and that now this showed tons of different aged kids yeah uh doing different activities full of kids yeah Full, full, full. Yeah. Like you rarely see rooms. Never that have full. that. Never have that in any Friday the Thirteenth. No, I really enjoyed when uh, actually like the boys hadn't showed up to dinner yet. Yeah. Um, and when they all walk in and Jason Alexander is just leading the group, and they going, "Hey!" and everyone's just like screaming and being kids in the mess hall. Yeah, yeah. he's like grabbing food from the younger yeah. campers, and they're like laughing at yeah. the older ones. He sticks his finger in somebody's food. Yeah. He's like, "What is this?" And then he goes to the next kid and wipes it on his shirt. Yeah, like, <laughs> it was great. Yeah, no, I, I love that aspect of it. Yeah, I love and it just, and I guess because the Friday the 13th... Are supposed to be the councils getting together before camp starts. That's yeah. how they get around sure. not having it. But it was nice to, for a change, actually be in the midst of a week of camp. Yeah, totally. And it just that fosters some good feelings and just like watching the the little relationships build and rivalries and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's mostly funny. Like it doesn't get too dark with you, the and they're acting. They're acting like kids at camp like yeah. it more so than any of the other ones we've watched totally it just feels like oh yeah that's what you do you know you're in your canoe you're splashing each other just little yeah. things like that yeah and, and it it almost helps then that they don't do the same friday the 13th like basically death reveals where they slowly whittle everyone down and then the last two people see it kind of deal totally the, in this one there's kind of nothing is happening someone goes missing Mm-hmm. And so it, it causes some like confusion there. Yeah, that pace was refreshing because yeah. usually we get, you know, okay, at the 25 minute mark, the first kill, and then we get a kill every five minutes mm-hmm. until the last 10 minutes where they reveal all the bodies. And then that's the end of the movie. Yeah. So basically that one boatload of kids, a literal <laughs> boatload of kids, The um, we, we both kind of thought as they approached that like drifting canoe, that it was going to be, it was going to be the corpse of the first killed person. And that's going to start he's going to jump at them or whatever he's going to do. My favorite scene of the movie. Yeah. And it'll probably be the one that remains with me. Uh-huh. This is going to be your, this Dave and crispy crispy uh, a year from now. Yeah. Check back in. <laughs> we'll do a little, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Flashback sound. And yeah. Cut back uh, out of here. And so we're expecting to just see that body and they're all going to scream and then something will happen. Right. Mm-hmm. But instead, burning man jumps up with his shears. Yeah. Amazing. And he just starts chopping and stabbing and slashing. And like we get the, the, Fingers get chopped off. You know, what's his one, dude? One dude just gets stabbed right directly in through the throat. Yeah, that was Skinny Dipper, uh-huh. pressure guy. One girl gets slashed across the forehead. Yeah, she gets a deep slash in the uh-huh. forehead, like through the skull. Yeah. That was good. And, like, it's just... It was such a good sequence because... Your brain is telling you the whole time, well, they wouldn't this is a slasher movie, the killer isn't gonna kill five at once. Like, how would you yeah. be able to take them on? So even though you're like, Oh, it would be cool if the killer was in there, yeah, you're like, No, there's no way. So then when they reveal him and he stands up in that glorious shot before the sun, it's just like so satisfying and he comes <laughs> yeah. down and just kills all of them and in he, a he, wonderful the, yeah, fast. You, Dude, you're totally right. There's so, it's so rare that you're like, this probably won't happen because it's a little too ridiculous. But it would be cool. And it would be cool. And then it happens and yeah. it's very cool. That was, Yeah, that was so, so satisfying. We clapped a little. We really <laughs> did. It was very satisfying. Chop, slash, yeah. chop. It was edited really well in that sequence. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't a ridiculous amount of just like screams and nothing happening. It was perfect, man. It was so it good. It was like Tons a perfect scene. And it ends with like the dead arm of, I think the person who got her forehead slashed, Slumping over the boat, and mm-hmm. then that one like bead of blood draws a line down her arm all the way to like the thumb, and then drops into the Drips water. In the water. It was um, that was really amazing. That it's, shot. It's great that because yeah, this is also Savini September. Yeah, and <laughs> it's great that we've been watching Savini's movies inadvertently in yeah. chronological order. So <laughs> like we've watched his you know Blueskin Dawn of the Dead to his awesome more articulate gore and a little less Blueskin in Maniac, which mm-hmm. was... Eighty-one, mm-hmm. and or no sorry 1980 yeah and now we got this a year later and this is his best makeup that we've seen so far i believe oh, oh totally it looked incredible and T- not not one shade of blue <laughs> 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 totally i mean maniac did have some good scalpings to be fair yeah uh that was great and some good head explosions but yeah this one was just when the gore started happening it was just gorgeous and and you think of a horror movie and you think of garden shears and mm-hmm. without any prompting at all your brain just sees the where they clip together on someone's neck and the head flips off, right? Yeah. that's That didn't happen. No. They didn't do that stupid thing in the movie. A cool thing they did with the Shears, though, is um, he trapped um, what's Alfred. the, Alfred's arm after he caught him yeah. by using them, like scissors like in the snip wall. snip and stab. Yeah, So he was just totally pinced in there. Pinced in the wall, yeah, yeah. like That was really cool. Really cool way to use it. It's great. Even, like, man, right at the beginning in that, op- that insane opening hospital scene, where the mm-hmm. guy, we went to the, him the one the, ho- yeah. the one hospital employee is just baiting the other one. If you got to see this body, you got to come look at it. It's crazy. And that goes on for like 2 minutes of him yeah. just saying that over and over again. If you're going to be a doctor, you got to see these kinds <laughs> yeah. of things. Come with me, man, if you want to see it cuz you got to yeah. see this. And the other doctor is just really freaked out like, but still going along with it. He's like, "I don't really. I don't." But the shot of his his burnt arm looked incredible as well. Yeah. We we're like, "Ah." Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I also made a joke. I'm like, "If you're a doctor and a patient grabs your arm, you probably don't scream hysterically like it's a horror movie no but probably. i mean if you see that arm reach out and grab you you mic because was super gross and look like burnt up cardboard for skin it, it looked really and great and then when um the killer gets released we have this long shot like from low down at the bottom corner of like up at a wheelchair and a nurse rolling mm-hmm. the killer towards the door yeah. of the hospital um which is just another good shot to deliver for some exposition in and he's like the skin grafts wouldn't take we're sorry and he's like it's gonna be hard to fit into the world people may look at you different mm-hmm. Try not to get revenge like. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious but in like not yeah. too much of a yeah. hokey way like it was just a nice dash of humor in the context of a slasher yeah it was great and i love that he stands up and he walks out the door like yeah done quit. and i loved how little we saw of his face in the movie mm-hmm. like we just had one quick shot very early and when alfred sees his face in the window yeah. and it was like A quarter of a second, just enough to make your brain go, what the fuck did I just see? that was not a normal thing. No, exactly. It was wonderful. And then we don't see his face again until the final scene in the mine Mm shaft or wherever the fuck they are. Yeah, so that's some old mining mill kind of situation there. That's all ruins and stuff. Awesome set. Great set to have a final act in. Yeah. And they really used the shit out of that camping set that the, that they had. They used the lake. They were on canoes. They were in totally. different lake. I have no doubt that it was just like the same little bay. Yeah. But the way that they shot it created like a vast yeah. rural area of like you had to canoe way over to get to wherever. Yeah. You know the spot was where the Burning Man was, mm-hmm. and actually by the way, so Burning Man is on that island that they canoe to to do a little canoe trip, right? That's like sure, theoretically yeah. he's there. Well, I think the well, it's just on a river, right? So I don't think it's an island. I think it's just down. Far just down the far river. Down okay, the, okay, the river okay. Yeah. That would that would Fill in some of so there's gaps. probably like marsh and stuff on the way, so it's mm-hmm. not easy to walk all the way through the woods. I think, yeah, because we see Burning Man closer to the campsite before they even do the canoe yeah. trip, and then he's at the site where they canoe too. Yeah, and so theoretically, th- this is what confused me a little bit in mm-hmm. terms of how he's so mobile and able to move around. Yeah, at the same time that he's like jumps out of the canoe and does the great chopping scene where he kills everybody. That's them having canoe- paddled away on that boat for a long time, right? Yeah. Long enough that they're probably halfway back to camp or something. Sure. So then that's long enough for um, the two, the blonde dude and girl, mm-hmm. the bully guy. Yeah. And they go out in the woods, right? To bang and where uh, Alfred is watching them, of course. Yeah because we get an inconsistent message about him, whether he's a good guy or yeah, a creep. Do those, do those two get killed before or af- right after? Right after, right after. Uh-huh. So theoretically, in the time it took them to canoe all the way down to where Burning Man was in that canoe, mm-hmm. he chopped them and then got back to where they were stranded. Yes. And killed the two of... So they didn't raft very far then, because also the raft shows back up where Jason and Alexander and them are. Yeah, it kind of floats back downstream so they're so i guess they have to paddle back upstream to go to camp because then the raft is coming back yeah, yeah and yeah. they're like oh they're just pranking us okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so that's what happened. so yeah maybe gotcha. they just weren't that far uh-huh we're creating we're creating a mental map in, in yeah. our heads now and, and i think it checks out yeah and well i mean that's also the mark of a somewhat well put together mm-hmm. logical progression of a story that you can mentally like where were we at this point it's like why could that have happened you know, like that doesn't really happen in this movie. You can no. follow where they are and why. Yeah. You know, and, and like I said, the set is so big. And then you get to that final one where suddenly we're underground, mind dusty, uh, flamethrower comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Which is great because right when that happened, you're like, no, you can't just switch weapons. <laughs> and I was equally offended. I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh. This no, guy is the sheer killer. It, yeah. But at the same time, this is a movie about a burn victim. So it does yeah. work. Like they, they are effectively using yeah. two devices kind of at the same time yeah, right this I, whole motif of being burnt and then ultimately using this flamethrower to kind of enact his revenge yeah and that's where we learn when the flamethrower comes out it's like wait why would he switch to that yeah and then it's dawns on you and then they give you the reveal that he was one he of the was kids one of the kids that originally pranked him yeah and, which is great and he got beautiful like that he was an ugly kid <laughs> and he turned into the most beautiful man. <laughs> and he was like... You gotta look this guy up, Dave. You gotta see what he's up to. I don't want the magic to be ruined. But another thing that was amazing about this character is he was just such a grounded moral center for the movie. Dude, he was the moral safety net in the... Absolutely. While the other dudes are predators, and they're just totally creeping on all the women... Like from Alfred to the other two dudes, which and trying to force them into sex situations, which I was hyper aware of watching this one. Right? I know it. It really did. Those scenes like are extra cringy. Just knowing that mm-hmm. Harvey Weinstein is one of the four writers of this movie. Yeah. So yeah. you, you want to praise like all of the professionals who went into creating a good movie. It's yeah. a good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, be aware of, you know, the the things that have transpired and how they've changed history and, and watch the movie through that lens. Absolutely. But so de- that denim man was just he the was way a, yeah. he was a moral safety. net. Yeah. And the way that he treated women yes. was a great example compared to the rest of them. And we don't usually get that in Slasher. Usually yeah. we only get you know, creepy dudes. Yeah. And, um, his, I guess, girlfriend counselor, Mm -hmm. she was also like, Um, hyper aware of when someone was being creepy watching the girls in the shower when one of them didn't come back to camp. She was always very, very aware of the safety of the girls there. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's an amazing thing that they had just written into the script of this movie. Yeah. The fact that, you know, when Alfred is watching one of them in the shower, that this kind of halts the movie for Mm -hmm. like 15 minutes and we get like a whole lecture period people coming in like this is wrong. You can't do this other dudes even like he's out on it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in the, your run of the mill slasher that would just be normal behavior. High five and we move on with the plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like slumber party massacre. Yeah, right. So there, I do have some like tension or like my Definitely. feelings are in tension about this movie from that perspective that mm-hmm. yeah you still do have kind of some of these cliche horrible predatory male behavior but it does call out that behavior at the same time yes and it more punishes so. those people punishes those people and and rewards the others and you do have like the good character the guy who kind of wins in the end and saves the day mm-hmm. is also a very good moral person and treats women well like that's yeah. That's an amazing thing. So you have these kind of two things <laughs> yeah. existing together. It's definitely a conflicting thing to watch. But for nineteen eighties, Heidi Slasher, I mean, this is this is great. Yeah. A lot of the, the people involved who who sort of managed to get these things onto the screen, deserve credit for oh doing so. Yeah. It was really great. I'm, gonna ha- I'm just going to come out. There's no way Harvey had say no. saying that stuff. Like, uh. What are you talking about? No, you can see those sorts of influences. You can see like just, you know, there's the boobs are there, you know, there's yes. the nudity. Yeah. It happens. There, there's like just shameless, gratuitous scenes that you yes. just would have in these regardless for sure. Mm hmm. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I mean, there's also... scene alongside. I know, it's exactly. so, so strange in that sense. Yeah, and it's just one of those things that does make you think about everyone involved rather than putting it all to one person you know there are multiple voices fighting over these things yeah because i mean another way to look at it too from the same perspective is um when you google this movie the cast that pops up on google jason alexander is going to be the first one and then holly hunter yeah right and then when you watch the movie like he's a goofy character but he's not leading the movie and she's in it but who knows where like the real movie doesn't come down to those big one name people that jump out at you just like what i have to imagine the production of the movie shakes yeah. out to be as it's not just this one name it's a whole bunch of people and some of them who seem to have good ideas and good intentions yeah um, and thank goodness that those ones are there to thank goodness make this awesome final product it's a really really good good slasher yeah. It, it is crazy how much, like, we we didn't even remember until the end that Holly Hunter was in this movie because yeah. she, she might have one or two lines. Yeah. You don't really recognize her. Jason Alexander, obviously, you do. He's one of the main characters. Yeah. He's, and he's fun in this movie. He is fun. He's great. He looks like he's having a good time. Yeah. He look, he, he's like a kid. <laughs> never takes his shirt off. No. <laughs> when I, was everyone watching, else says. I was watching for it. <laughs> he's always wearing that same kind of, like, you know, long, slightly long sleeve tee with the numbers on it. And the, the more you called out, the more it just really... <laughs> Se- seemed like the actor intentionally was like i'm not taking off my shirt So at what? one point he half takes it he off he takes it off and in that moment he's covered by another person another <laughs> character's in front of his belly so he lifts his shirt a little bit and like no i'll do it <laughs> yeah that could be totally incidental but it's hilarious to yeah throw that onto it that's my theory <laughs> yeah yeah it's funny that you know when you go oh, this the first names are jason alexander holly hunter i imagine it's the same thing with uh nightmare on elm street Probably Johnny Depp. Is yeah, one of the top exactly. Games, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, th- three years, I'm jumping around a lot, but three years for Savini to go from like that Kevin Bacon throat through yeah. the neck and just right. kind of achieve In it th- to this. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he this, is. His craft is improving very quickly in these years. Totally. And this this September will go down as the September of Savini. <laughs> we'll we remember it more to. for that. Yeah. It was a complete accident. That's what we loved most about Slash of September. <laughs> yeah. We're just like, all these movies, it's all Tom Savini. <laughs> yeah. Because as you made me aware when we were watching this, the one we're doing next week... Also, here's a little teaser, Scaredy Cats, also had the makeup done by Tom Savini. Yeah. And we did not know did this not know that until <laughs> 30 minutes ago. <laughs> I guess it's kind of inevitable if you're going back to this time in horror movies that he's going to be doing yeah. the makeup of a lot of the big ones. We're like hopping... Like, okay, so we the first Tom Savini movie we saw was Friday the 13th, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Which so, would have been like about a year ago or so. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. that was like you know maybe the worst of his effects and you're talking about how we watched sort of his progression totally go. but that's but like nineteen eighty, i guess right so that's after dawn of the dead technically yeah technically yeah um yeah but I mean, that's like well after 68 or so no don i'm singing yeah yeah he didn't, no, didn't he do night, 78 no. yeah yeah, so it's just a couple of years. So, yeah, wouldn't be a tremendous change there. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, the gore would have been different, though. In Dawn of the Dead, it's like guts and stuff being pulled absolutely out, Absolutely right? different. And everything we know about Friday the 13th is that it was just like, a, get this movie out as quickly yeah. as possible. Let's make some cash. So less of a mm-hmm. passion project than Dawn of the mm-hmm. Dead, I'd say. I imagine he spent infinitely more time working on those ideas, conceptualizing, yeah. and Friday the 13th was probably more of a paycheck. Sure. And, and we talked a little bit at the top about how um, he did um, this movie instead of Friday the 13th part two. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because, because he didn't understand the, the, the plot basically. So, but it seems really cool that specifically Tom Savini at this point in time in like the heyday of slashers in mm-hmm. the eighties, Tom Savini could pick and choose what he wanted to do you know he's doing maniac he's doing yeah. the burning he's doing the pro, he's doing all these different movies well any any director of the genre would just be well aware that oh this is the guy like yes. tom savini is killing it At, so he would have had offers like crazy and totally. this guy doesn't just stick to friday the 13th the cash cow he yeah. hops around because he likes scripts yeah it just makes you love him more right absolutely that's the best it really is yeah he wouldn't have been a household name then by any stretch of the imagination but i mean no. producers and directors are like this is the guy to get yeah an and industry name for yeah. sure. Yeah. And it's not like he has an insane amount of movies that he's done the makeup for. It seemed like he worked hmm. most in these days. Like he did Creepshow, you know, a year after that. And then he did an Argento movie five years after. Did a few more collaborations yeah. with Romero. But this was, this seems to be his most prolific period is the early 80s. Yeah. Just awesome. I just <laughs> loved all the effects of the kills in this one. Yeah. And yeah. in fact, the, um, the kill of the one the the skinny dipper guy who gets it through the neck mm-hmm. that's basically a reversed kevin bacon Absolutely. kill cuz it's like the exact same effect but instead of a bed he's in a canoe yeah you're totally right and the blood just looks so much better like the color of the blood like they're Uh just the texture it's just he nailed it in this one 100 yeah this was the best i've seen so far i've got to also compliment in this movie the score i really loved it yeah it was was great great like 80s synth Uh but really cool creepy it came in at the right moments yeah the sound design as a whole were wonderful like mm -hmm. there's the one moment in the end when they're in that mine shaft entrance and he's got the flamethrower where he turns it off and yeah, then the second yeah. he turns off the flamethrower the score drops out and you have dead silence and uh, then you had noticed then a man hero just kind of it's like a 60 minute moment where he's kind of just tiptoeing around. Yeah. And then he hears Alfred screaming in the distance and he's like Al- Alfred are you on-? like it's that was a one that was I was actually on edge. Oh yeah. And and while we're talking about that we got to talk about the standoff between the two of them. They, yes. That yes. was basically a sword fight between a flamethrower and an axe. He mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. was just like they were swinging their heads out of the way of both fire and axe chops. Yeah. <laughs> it was so see That beautiful makeup again of yeah. just his burnt face. Yeah. Just so wonderful. Wonderful, and why would you, why would you even want to have fire in the same room as you? After having that damage done, you know it's a liability. Revenge, man. This is there's wooden planks everywhere. <laughs> Revenge is a dish best served burnt. And talk about great makeup and gore! That final blow to the face when oh, Denim throws the axe just right smack in the middle. So good, and that's another thing I love about the burning as a camp slasher movie is that. We killed the guy. He's dead. He's dead. Let's wrap it up. We don't need to exhaust this with future sequels. Yeah, just a great, contained... Yes. It it almost seems like, to take Savini's point of like, I don't see why you did that to Friday the 13th. (laughs) He's just like, if it's all wrapped up, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'll do another Camp Slasher, sure. But I want... In my contract, that there will never be a sequel, and that we visibly kill the <laughs> bad guy. We're gonna chop him. We're gonna burn him a second time. We're gonna we're gonna stab him. All of it. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. Um, although, like, so yeah, they have that great um, showdown with the fire and the axe, and then Alfred hops out with Alfred that's Mm -hmm. his name (laughs) yeah Alfred (laughs) Alfred hops out he finally weasels the the shears off his arm he's free he stabs him in the back with the shears Mm -hmm. so he's got shears in his back and he doesn't like that which gives their (laughs) denim hero an opportunity to just joke him in the head with the axe where his head is like collapsed right it like caves in with the incision that is a sharp axe and it it was well swung by your hero denim man (laughs) our denim hero (laughs) and so he's destroyed at that that moment and then they burn him up with the flamethrower mm-hmm. and then he comes off the wall and like shakes around although i think that was maybe like a vision thing i think, I think he was, was having a vision, a vision i'm pretty of, sure he was well embedded in that thing yeah yeah because then the final shot was him standing there with the axe burning i think he it was just him having a reflective uh, vision of the yeah, yeah. original yeah. incident that's what it was yeah i was gonna say why did he move around if his head was collapsed also alfred man what a creep like yeah. this guy is just He's not directly creeping on women. He doesn't have the confidence to do that. Yeah, he's just a voyeur. He's just watching everyone else hook up. Yeah, and <laughs> so like right at the beginning, you're like, we we see this the opening prologue scene where they're doing a big prank that goes too far, mm-hmm. and then there's a shower scene, and Alfred's like peeping and he's like i was just trying to scare her so and then everyone comes down real hard on him so you get the idea yeah that, you're sympathetic to him in that yeah. at that in that first act yeah exactly so you get the idea he's not that bad and he just oh i screwed up yeah. and i'm weird and people Until. yeah and then he does it a fucking again and you're like so, oh this motherfucker so so that's, that's what you, he does yeah <laughs> you're totally right because you just you get that kind of bullied complex like you yeah. feel like oh everyone's just giving a hard time he truly just meant to do a prank yeah. this is just shelly all over again <laughs> but it is not shelly <laughs> no no Shelley's got a heart of gold they were right right in the beginning uh-huh. He's like he's peeping he's like no i'm not he just yeah was. he was he just was the whole time yeah which narratively is like it makes for a shitty character but it's, it's effective mm-hmm. like we were taking the side of this guy and then we were deceived by the movie yeah and the, it's not great but it's kind of like uh, cool that the reason that he saw these things happen is because he's Peeping, You know, and so he covers it by like trying to be a good enough guy or trying to be passable mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. But it is actually this negative part of his character that results in them eventually becoming victorious. Yeah. You know, it is his peeping that he's just trying to watch some people have sex and then they get murdered like that's a drag. Yeah. When you're just trying to go to but summer camp, it works as a device to have <laughs> yeah. someone who happens to stumble upon it because he's by mm-hmm. his very nature, he's creeping around being quiet and yeah. try to like, catch a glimpse of something. Yeah. And, and you no, know, it also seemed like it was setting up for me. It was like, he's got the, um, the reputation now with the bully guy. And then it seemed like... And then the girl gets killed, right? Mm -hmm. While the guy goes to get matches to build a fire. And then he comes back and then he gets killed too. Yeah. Right? So it seemed like because he was peeping while they were fucking, it seemed like a real opportunity for him to be framed as the one who's doing it mm. because he was there. The guy who had the most suspicions about him would have been coming back to his dead girlfriend. Like it's, and th- it seemed like the killer was leaving the weapon behind. It it's seemed very like, true. Yeah. It seemed like a perfect like framing setup. Yeah. My mind didn't go there, but it totally could have been that they could have been setting up yeah. for one of the, Oh, we think this is a killer, but it's yeah. not actually, and that's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. And then from underneath the blanket comes burning man <laughs> who jukes what's his name? Through the throat, lifts him off the ground. Yeah carries him over to a tree i thought for a moment i even said fuck you at the movie because i thought we were going to get just a halloween ripoff like when michael yeah. myers implants him and then just kind of stares at him yeah but luckily no and the thing didn't even hold he fell down yeah <laughs> he took it out and he fell yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome yeah great way for them to do their own thing yeah no this is this was much further above my expectations for it given the slashes that we have watched so far this month um it's I'm glad that this thing does have kind of a cult status and it should be recognized as one of the way better slashers from this period. I think. Yeah. And, um, one, I may maybe final cool little fact about it. Um, quick little Dave's game corner. I want to play a game. Yeah.
1: Dave's in the corner playing games.
0: Want to play a game. So there's this game that was, uh, largely inspired by this movie. I, I read one line about this, and then yeah. knew you would read a little closer into it. <laughs> I did. Technic- I have played this game before, really, not, not to completion, not very much. Uh, How recent of a game is this? '90s, mid '90s. Okay, so a very long time ago in the in bad computers on like PlayStation One and you mm-hmm. know that kind of era. What's it called? Clock Tower. Hmm. So it's a point and click. I don't remember it in that context. It's described here on Wikipedia as a point and click. I remember it being more of a third person kind of thing. And the villain in it is called Man, <laughs> And he's a deformed <laughs> little uh, little boy who uses a giant pair of scissors to kill people. Oh my God. Yeah. So I remember my cousin playing that game, me sampling it a little bit. Was it dark? yeah like it's a creepy game and point and click like uh zork return to zork those kind of games kind of like that but i remember it having like a real third person component where you could actually control and move and find stuff and collect Hmm. inventory like a normal game okay it is foggy because i didn't have any idea that this was inspired by a horror movie i would one day podcast about (laughs) (laughs) um so that's that's pretty cool i really like that but um i think also part of the inspiration for this one uh yeah um, the plot and artistic style are inspired by the works of Italian horror film director Dario Argento, most notably *Phenomena*. Hell um, yeah! The main character is fashioned after Jennifer Connelly. The main character in *Denim Man*? No, in in oh, the in game *Clock Tower*. Yeah, in the game oh, *Clock Shit. Tower*, the main character's name is Jennifer, and it's based on Jennifer Connelly from *Phenomena*. Dude, it's and amazing! So is the art and plot and like era of the game. That's so cool! Isn't that cool? I want you to play this game and report back. <laughs> It's a 90s computer point-and-click game. It sounds like it'd be real slow. I may pass. (laughs) But I think it's fun. It's a whole series now, so there might be some more contemporary sequels I could jump into. Yeah, or it would be cool to just, like, YouTube or Google image search some of those visuals just to see, yeah, does this look like Phenomena? Yeah, I checked out... I didn't consider it from Phenomena's perspective, but, like, I did check out some images. I'm like, yeah, that's the one I played. Totally. I'm going to talk about this. Yeah, it's really cool. That's crazy. And that, yeah. It's so cool that even, like, you know in the nineties or whatever video games are still very much adjacent to inspired by and mm-hmm. inspiring horror movies. Yeah. Like to think that the game clock tower was inspired by the burning and Dario Argento. Argento's phenomena, man, it must've been so much harder in those days without the internet and without, you know, a proliferation mm-hmm. of just these one screen theaters showing these awesome movies yeah. without Netflix, like just to, to even see a genre film like that. Like how would you get to see phenomenon if it wasn't playing yeah. your multiplex or, available on if, home video if i had those sorts of resources it's very likely that i would have seen phenomena before you and told you about it because it was the inspiration for a cool game right if you had, yeah if you being the video game nerd <laughs> that you are and if you happen world, to dive into that yeah it's a close parallel universe where <laughs> you showed me phenomena <laughs> yeah exactly dude i love that this I podcast is so great sometimes for just the way things connect without us planning you mm-hmm. know the savini connection that's happening the video game stuff to my childhood like this is awesome love it love it Scaredy Cats, thanks for listening to another one-of-a-kind episode of the Tex-Chris-Dave-Saw Massacre. I'm David Stomera. I'm Mr. Denim Man. <laughs> I love you. And as always,
1: chaos reigns,
0: chaos reigns, chaos reigns, chaos reigns. There was an axe, flamethrower, sword fight, chaos reigns. Ooh. Tune in next week where we watch another horror movie.